TikTok. Derek Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek Miley. Hey, folks. Welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley via Cocktails with a Therapist. I have a wonderful guest with me. Brandon's been on my show before. He's been on Sex Talk with Erica Miley via podcast. So I I roped him into coming on live stream with me to be able... We'll just... We might just DM her. We'll, we'll see where we go tonight. Yeah, we might <laughs> DM her just a little bit. <laughs> so we were talking about a title. We were talking about like our tour, content creator. What are you up to these days? I haven't figured that out. I've been in this kind of weird zone and I'm trying to save the I'm trying to share this actually because why mm-hmm. oh I want to share this because I want Are you ready? No. Okay. I'm sharing it. Okay, here. I'm adding I'm, to the stream. Here we go. Oh, oh, you want oh yes. Yeah. So I was out today and I was doing photos. Did you yes. want to do the photos? Yes, okay. let's do the photos. Okay. So this is Manhattan, correct? Yeah, this is Canal Street. This is Canal Street. Normally, this is like shoulder to shoulder. I took the Q train downtown. I was wearing like a uh, something over my face, anything over my face. I know, right? But yeah, I mean, these are kind of, I think these are all sort of retouched. Yeah, there was a guy crossing the street. Right. When you're doing photos, it's always the question of like, do you want to include humans in it or not? Oh, and this is just down the street a little bit further. I mean, really, like, there was it was not like I was trying to not get people in the pictures. It was right. just absolutely empty. That's just and that's the wackiest shit, honestly. Kind of looking back, I mean, these are all on the same block. These have all been basically from the same like one block area. And mm-hmm. I, I love this camera. There we go. These pictures are stunning. Load up in a second here. Boom. There we go. And yeah, there was this person who was, I guess, cleaning, but and totally empty car lot. I mean. I'm That's just it. crazy town. Yeah. I I really want you to like keep track. Like I would love for you to collect all of these photos that you take over this period of time. And oh, like yeah. I remember right after I was in New York right after 9-11, not long, like three months. And it was, there were these like, they were like makeshift memorials up in different places with people that had pictures that they had printed on paper and yeah. then they were putting them up everywhere. Yeah. The I mean the internet wasn't what it was now. And so people were just kind of like collecting items, kind of like almost like trying to like keep track of this point in history in in a makeshift way, which was like the, when I saw your pictures, I immediately thought of that moment. I was like, "Oh, I hope Brandon just keeps going out and taking pictures because safely." We, Yes, we need to document this. We need we to document do. this. There is a, a portion of this that gets down to a sort of societal contract that you have when you are an artist where it is your responsibility to yes. be adding to that historic mm-hmm. record, even if just a little bit. And, you know, whether it's people who are going out and I saw a series of photos from Italy with the doctors and the bruising underneath their eyes and such from mm-hmm. wearing their masks and such. And I thought that was a really interesting series. And there's through conflict, 
art does get created and mm-hmm. that will be one of the beauties that comes out of this time is that there will be a lot of art that gets created you know i've i spent the last two years because this gets back to the whole titles thing i spent the last two years taking care of someone uh, a dementia mm-hmm. patient up mm-hmm. in northern westchester just kind of a shut-in myself and right. completely out of it and i <sighs> trying to explain so many things to someone who doesn't quite cognate anymore and they're a World War II vet and they mm-hmm. he was a POW and went through the depression and all of these right. things. The only thing I could come to was that my own generation had not ever actually struggled. Mm, not not in the way that that generation had by any means. No. I mean, we we couldn't contemplate and still, I mean, at this point, some people are starting to contemplate. Those who are thinkers are starting to contemplate where things are going. I just don't think that we've had the same amount. And I think that's why we're really in a kind of chasm where the art just is not interesting at the moment. The architecture is not interesting. People are just not mm. inspired to really create things of beauty in the same way. And I, there'll be plenty of people who argue with me on that point. Plenty of people who argue with me, but it's just I, living in a perpetual moment of the 50s, 60s, and 70s for the last two years, I can tell you that no one is doing furniture like that. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. But, and, but I think you're bringing up something that's really important is that when we experience darkness, when we experience dark times, usually, usually the best art comes from it. Some of the, the, the I mean, the Renaissance, Renaissance follows the Dark Ages. Like we are about to, and I think and the, I think its form is going to be different this time too. I think more likely that we're going to see it electronically. I think the art is going to come like this, like um, people creating shows, people creating podcasts, people creating stories, people creating photography that we can like a view on an online gallery. Like it's going to look different than previous generations, but I think it's coming. I, I think it will, and I think it won't just be online. I think it'll be all over the place. I think it's a beautiful time period we live in where we have access to so many different medias, yeah. so many different types of media, whether you want physical media, you want digital media, you want visual media, you want audio media. It's just there's so much media to do almost anything your mind can come up with, even if it's only for 30 seconds. And I am not on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Same. I don't. That's for the children. That's for the children. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I know there's adults on there. I I just, I think that there's, yeah, there's like a, there's like grandma's giving advice on there. There's like, like there's a ton of things. Uh, (laughs) I know, I know, but I can't, it's not from, it's not for me. I can't. Yeah. I have fallen down the TikTok rabbit hole just trying to understand what was happening. <laughs> I watched to try to get it, and I didn't get it. So I'm like, oh, I have reached that point in my life. <laughs> yeah. I don't get what the young people are doing. <laughs> I I admittedly got to that period a few years ago, and it, it was called. Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. I do I do use some Snapchat, but mostly to make stupid faces at my groups of friends, and that's all that I use it for. 
my sister-in-law sends me wonderful pictures of my nephews and that's it. That's about all I've got Snapchat for. And it's disappearing. And it's, there was one day where I, she sent this great little video of them and I was like, wait a minute, this goes on and disappears. Like, are we going to have an entire generation of parents who don't maintain a record? It's I know the, the assignment that just poof, it disappears like James Bond. Yeah, I, I was like, I need people to text me things so I can keep it. I need, I, I don't remember email addresses. Please text it to me. <laughs> uh, we've got folks in the comments. Hey, Teresa, glad you're here. Glad you're hanging out with us. Folks, jump in the comments. We'd love to answer questions. I mean, for, for those who are not familiar with the episode Brandon was in, we talked a lot about in particular, like your days on, it was what confidential? Remind me, because oh, I'm going to fuck it up. I've had enough gin where I'm going to fuck it up. Co-ed confidential. Co-ed confidential. I was like, yeah. I'm just going to screw it up. Like I, I, Yeah, I was on all the late night Skinamax movies for a good portion of a decade. <laughs> and you can still find them. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a uh, a radio show in Australia just a couple of months ago. I want to say like back in October or November. And awesome. they were watching one of my old movies from, oh, 2009. I think that's when we made Cougar School. It was in between seasons <laughs> three and so four. Good. Well, it was originally Cougar Confidential, but they had rights issues, and so they had to call it Cougar School. Mm. And it was definitely a lot of cougaring. <laughs> That's it. Hashtag cougaring. That's got to be somewhere. <laughs> we got Alyssa's in here. Hey, Alyssa. So glad hey, you're here hey, with Alyssa. us. So, yeah, like when you think about, I guess I, things have completely and fundamentally changed since you were doing that series. The the internet has vastly changed how people access any kind of sexual material. What do you think about that? Like, how do you, I mean, if you're willing to share, I'm willing to share. Like, how yeah. do you access sexual material now? Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody uses their phone. Let's not lie. Oh, mine's plugged in. I mean. Everybody's you know. using this. It depends on, I actually, I don't use my phone. Mm-hmm. I, I don't use my phone, although although I mm -hmm. may have while I was working periodically when I was tired of so getting common. screamed at and Holy tuning cow. someone out. I may have, you know, kind of thrown something in one ear and been like, yeah, sure. Just keep screaming and swearing at me. <laughs> oh, yeah, Big Daddy. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it, nothing like hearing that in the air at work. I mean, it would just make things absolutely absurd, right? Like you, yeah. your brain wouldn't be able to like differentiate between those two things like yeah. you would just be like oh let me pay attention to the thing that's way more exciting oh yeah <laughs> i definitely i i definitely use my phone but more so for there's an app and i've said it many times on my show that i love so i'm just showing my bias it's called dipsy d-i-p-s-e-a it's audio erotica every form of audio erotic story you can think of and various dynamics of people. So like you can find monogamous stuff. You can find like hookup stuff. You can find poly stuff. You can find yeah. like loads of different kinds of things. And I, I, I love that one. That one's really, really great. But I think that how people access sexual material now is 
different. I remember being young teenager trying to catch the stuff on Skinamax, right? Like I remember that. I remember yeah. trying to catch that or like trying to see, like check out things between like any of the, like if you saw like static on the TV and then you might see like a little bit of something. Just... <laughs> Just, and I mean, we're not going to give a time period to this, but this was back when they still had the class to wear the G-strings during the sex scenes. And oh, yes. What happened by the time I was doing it, which mm -hmm. was, taint nothing being put on. <laughs> <laughs> it had transitioned quite a bit. And I mean, historically, they had gone from shooting for 14 days to shooting for three days. Oh. Bing, bang, thank you and get off set, you know, go back. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it had changed a lot. Even yeah. in the years that I did the uh, Cinemax movies, it changed a lot. The genre changed a lot and the genre was dying. I came in right mm -hmm. at the end of the kind of golden age. Coed Confidential was the last really big series. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the last one they made, but it was the last one with the biggest viewing audience mm. uh, they had a pretty big show they spent a lot of money on um life on top which they shot for a very long i mean they shot that for like two three months they shot wow. it for a real period of time and they actually paid people real money on that one and then they had like a nikita femme femme something oh that's another real. one yeah, they had another one right at the end and it was it was on a SAG after contract and one mm -hmm. of the women, one of the actresses showed up and refused to do her sex scenes and they're famous for having sued her. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, because I mean, time is money on one of those sets and she knew oh, what yeah. she was getting into. Right. And with actors, period, men and women, they very much will agree to do something and then think they can renegotiate when they get to set. I see. Okay. See, this is the world I am, you know, I'm I'm a therapist. This is not my world at all. So this is really kind of an interesting, different kind of perspective. I'm just curious, like, why agree and then keep going? Is well, this like a, is this like a, I'm trying to get work thing? Is this a, like, being agreeable and then changing your mind thing? Like, what do you think? It's very much a trying to get a work thing, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's also very much a changing the mind thing. You've agreed mm -hmm. to do something. You went home. Your boyfriend or girlfriend wrote, read you the riot act. Fair. Okay. And or, I mean, it. sometimes it's not even the boyfriend, girlfriend, parent. It, sometimes it's the acting teacher. Mm. I When I was casting my last movie, Grindr, uh, I had an actor I cast in one of the roles and I thought, perfect, good fit, fantastic, sent him off with a script. Don't hear from him for a week and find out that his acting teacher convinced him it wouldn't be good for his career. <sighs> so there's there's a lot of other people at play here. There's a lot of other oh, voices yeah. at play here. There's a lot of voices at play. When you're an actor, you really have to be able to tune those voices out. I mean, I had a... I have a friend who is still a regular voice in my ear that I do not listen to a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, he spent a good portion of my career complaining about my hair being too long because my hair used to be shoulder length. Mm -hmm. And I used to get a lot of work when I had long hair and he kept telling me, oh, you need to cut your hair. You need to cut your hair. And I'm like, I'm like Samson, man. I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to cut my hair. I might not work when I stop cutting. <laughs> <laughs> Run like, your mind. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm going to keep getting the job while I have this hair and especially yeah. I, I would imagine during that period of time like the long hair was very kind of Brad Pitt-esque 
right into, especially Brad Pitt's like hey heyday. So that long hair makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it it worked. It worked, and I worked, and I was happy with it. But you know, going back to the changes, uh, they don't make the late night films anymore. They changed the yeah. executives at HBO and Cinemax. Uh, they moved the Cinemax TV executives over to HBO. One of them went into film acquisitions, and mm. the other TV one was not going to be around much longer, I believe, if I remember right. I, there's a story to it. But they all at once decided they weren't going to do it. I was pretty close with the executives at that time, and I got I got word. They usually did the buy order in about August, uh, so mm -hmm. I knew I might get a phone call to do a film around October, November, mm -hmm. which usually would shoot like end of November into December. And yeah. I got word around July that there would be no buy orders and huh. that it was over because at that point I had started my own production company and mm -hmm. I was ready to say, okay, I I could do this. I could make these. I've made almost a dozen of these right. on the talent side and I've made movies on the production side. Mm. I would like to make these. I think there's a market. I still think there's a market for them. Oh, fundamentally. I agree with you. That yeah. I mean, Erica Lust, I'm, I'm sure you might be familiar or the audience might be familiar with some of her work. EricaLust.com, for those who are interested, creates these wonderful, wonderful all-inclusive, sex-positive, different different types of streaming videos you can download, you can pay per month, or she has like several options for people to be able to access that, that the contents, the, the content they create. And it, it is very much like, it's much closer to what you were doing than it was like what Pornhub is doing. It is much more inclusive of the people who are performing and the different perspectives each person brings to performing any kind of sexual acts. And she keeps in mind, um, Erica Lust keeps in mind, the different perspectives offered by the actors that are in each one of these scenes. Because I think that's often what Pornhub is missing is the perspective from these different types of communities, like the women of color perspective, the woman perspective, the queer perspective. It's much more focused on like that kind of male gaze lens. And Erica Lust really pushed to try to create something that didn't look like that. So I think what you're saying about pr there being production and opening for that, I, I absolutely agree with you. There is, and the audience was a lot more women heavy mm -hmm. and gay heavy. We, I know a lot of gay men who watched the straight late night Cinemax. Yeah. A lot more than they would want to admit to. Our audience was pretty split male, female, uh, mm -hmm. if I remember the demographics right. It was, and it was big. It was huge. It was much bigger than what they replaced us with, which was Strike Back, and they barely managed a tenth of our audience size. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, but this is HBO Cinemax. They don't they don't publish the numbers publicly, and right. they made a big deal about uh, the promo when Strike Back was added they, because they were going to do all action now. <laughs> this is Action Network. We're all action. No more sex. All action. Uh, and and uh, they, the they got like a hundred thousand viewers for the first episode, and I was like, yeah, that's um, oh oh, that's so cute. Yeah, bless your heart. <laughs> 
bless your heart bring us back but i mean i i never think i don't think that hbo or cinemax will bring it back i know showtime still plays recut films i know they do they recut pornos into soft cores they'll shoot two two cameras they'll do a two camera shoot but i i don't think it'll ever go there i don't think that pornhub will ever be the place where those films will really live Mm-hmm. Fair. I'm I, I'm glad to see someone's independently doing it, and she it looks like it's living on her site, Erica yes. with a K. Mm-hmm. I was C spelled right. I love yeah. you with Erica's with a C, but I'm biased to the K. I was I was trying to figure out if I possibly knew her because I don't generally know people by their their names, but she doesn't look like she's using any of the standard performers people now, and I'm wondering if she's actually shooting in America. I wouldn't be surprised if it's shooting elsewhere. America is tough for this. (laughs) It's tough. I mean, talent can be found. I'm looking at the website. It's a good website. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, traditionally, a lot of this material before there was a home on Cinemax was shot in like Sweden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of Radley Metzger, who was one of my mentors here in New York, he used to shoot a lot of 60s, 70s softcore, and that was all shot in Europe. That's that's absolutely fascinating. I was actually curious what you kind of think about the the. It, it seems to me this is just a running theory that yes, HBO Cinemasks kind of gets rid of like what you all were doing in your performances, but then we now have things like Game of Thrones, right? And there is a which sex and violence is is displayed in a way you know it's much more it's much more common now like on netflix and and even on some like some of the content on hulu it's just much more explicit than it used to be and i don't mean explicit as in like taboo it's just that there is more of it do you think they essentially combine the two mediums Like what? Are, like, did they did they combine porn and 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 violence and just hope to make more money? Like, what do you what do you what do you think? I I think it's so complicated because yeah. when I was on the late night side, you know, the hope was always that you'd get discovered and then you get put into the Game of Thrones. Yeah, already HBO approved talent put me into Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a wall. They put up a wall between the talent who did the late night and a lot of the same production companies did moderate budget independent films for a couple million and Mm. my companies i worked for very easily could have handed me my sag card and could have handed me very decently sized films but once you did their other material they rarely crossed you over. They would cross someone, and I know a guy on season four of Coed Confidential who mm-hmm. did a indie film. It was like a probably a four to six million dollar indie feature for the company that shot Coed. Interesting. And they put him into Coed. They were willing to bump you over to Coed, but they weren't willing to bump anyone over to their, you know, their horror film that they were shooting. So now wow. that does get into the question: Do I feel like it, you know, hurt my career in some way? I've kind of always been driven towards edgy projects. So I don't feel like it really mm-hmm. inhibited my career. I feel that I was always going to kind of end up working for myself where I am. I don't think I was ever really going to fit into the mainstream. So that's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, but I also I want to acknowledge that about what you're talking about that wall. As I yeah. turn pink because I've had enough gin. Cheer, <laughs> cheers, my dear. Are, are you drinking coffee like you said you weren't going to be? I am. I am drinking coffee. With an Enron cup. Oh my god. Oh yes, my Enron cup. Like <laughs> 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 my Enron cup. <laughs> <laughs> trying not to spit out my alcohol yeah i mean there's there is definitely and there's even a line in there with the adult performers i have a lot of friends who are adult performers i like having an interesting life it's just so much more interesting that way getting an adult performer to go over into mainstream entertainment it happens periodically mm. it's not something that happens regularly I knew a Broadway star back in the day who was also doing some really interesting kink stuff, doing like suspension porn. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Love her to death. She passed away a couple of years ago from an overdose. Um, but I mean, it, it happens. There's yeah. quite a few that happens. Um, but yeah, there, it, there's, there, was, there was a wall and I did not see it at that point, but it took, a couple of years and I saw it and I was willing to take the work and the pay was good. So, you know, you take yeah. the work and the pay that you get when you get it. Cause I know plenty of actors who all they ever managed after they graduated was working in a bar. That's right. it. Right. I imagine that it's something that you have to come to within yourself about like the flexibility of your spirit. Like, what are your values going to dictate you do? And I mean values in the sense of like the things that we hold deep, right? And yeah. something that I hold deep is being able to be authentic across whatever domain of my life. And that includes my sexual health life. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to share some of my sexual health life with the entire world, but it does mean that I'm going to encourage others that do want to perform. And I do see sex work as something that we should, that, that people should be paid for and protected to do. Like I, I, I believe that you fundamentally, whether you're a performer or you are a sex worker, whatever you want to be doing, if it's in alignment with your values, you should be able to do it. Very much. And depending on how things go in the next four to eight weeks, we will see a lot of people looking a lot more seriously at sex work as income. Yes. That will not be a national perspective. It will not be uh -uh. some change in zeitgeist, but mm -mm. there will be individual people who will, because of the advent of fan sites, will decide that they need to make some extra money and because the fan site puts up a barrier between you and the end audience, mm -hmm. they're willing to perform on camera on a fan site. Yes, like the the ability, especially when we're talking about times of desperation. Like we lived in Washington State for a really long time and and if you ever get, a, get to go to Seattle, there is an underground tour and essentially you get to see parts of the city that, that they essentially, what happened was they built uh, Seattle over the top of Seattle a couple times. <laughs> but during that period of time, the biggest, the absolute biggest economic part of the entire area was sewing seamstresses. And yet there would be all of these different areas where there were no sewing machines. So it was essentially a cover for sex work. 
I bring that up because this is history is a circle. It is a complete circle and we just keep doing the same shit over again. And mm-hmm. so I, I think you're right here. I think sex work is going to have a boom. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, we are right now, depending on how the models play out, looking at 1992 USSR. We are looking at early Yeltsin USSR with the financial numbers, depending on the next four to eight weeks. It's very, I've, I'm kind of a future thinker about these things. And I've, my close friends know I've been rattling on about coronavirus since about the first week of January. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, my close friends know I've been rattling on about where our financial markets are for almost three years now. And just about the second week of February, most people don't realize this, but our 10 year treasuries dipped into minus negative interest territory. So we're a sex show, so we're going to tread lightly here and how much finance we get into. But I think that's that's an important thing that you're saying is that there are people who have been watching patterns much like yourself since essentially January or or earlier that have been saying, hey, hey, this is coming. Hey, 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 pay attention. Wake up. We need to do something. And the the leaderships across the world have handled it very very differently and we right now have very very clear evidence that the leadership that we have in the US currently has made this absolutely completely harder on the entire US population they they have and they're working off of complex models that are dealing with things that you and I as regular human beings would not be willing to deal with. No, thanks. Like what is acceptable amount of loss of life, which is not something that either of us would be willing to deal with. Don't want to make that decision. No, thanks. I will say that where I have approached this whole thing with my own thinking Mm -hmm. has been for the last two months, uh, the control of panic, management Mm -hmm. of panic. Yes, and the management of fear. Yes. And where this plays in is they've been very successful. So to give an example, look at China. China mm-hmm. said we have this, they kind of they've pushed it off. We'll eventually find out roughly what the numbers were. I will tell you that they likely did not even touch 10% of what the numbers really were. Mm-hmm. likely did not. So they were able to build 1,000-person hospitals in two to three days. Right. Now, you'll notice there were news articles right around, oh, let's put this right around the end of January where the Department of Defense said, we're going to build 13 1,000-bed hospitals and they're going to be attached to these airports. I think it was 11, but they mm-hmm. moved up to 13 and they added two that were not the airports. It took three more weeks before the travel ban. And the reason for that was because it took us three weeks to do what China did in three days. Three they weeks? Couldn't announce, they couldn't announce going any further and create that panic until they actually had the quarantine hospital beds ready to go. Mm-hmm. And that's why it looks like 
our leadership is taking so much time to do some of these things and which is making everyone frustrated, everyone angry, everyone blaming everyone. Mm -hmm. It's because it just takes us a lot more time to move in a way that a authoritarian country can just Mm -hmm. slave labor. Here we go. Yep. We can't do that here. Now that gets into the question of what, freedoms are people willing to give up so that we are able to do that and we're about to find out so i i i really do think this that is our next question what are what what are we going to have to give up and i i'm not going to land on any part of of what we should or shouldn't give up but it is these are going to be questions that we're going to have to face as a complete nation and our government was built and this is you know people get very very frustrated with how slow our government moves it was built to be it was built to be slow because essentially our founders really really wanted us to be able to make decisions in a way that would take us some time to be sure they were the right ones yeah and And in some situations it doesn't work so well granted we also have the 24 7 news cycle so things that would not have felt like they took so long 10 15 years ago Mm-hmm. Now we're hearing about it every hour. And yes. it feels like it takes forever. How did you not manage to do that? <laughs> yes. And then we forget quickly too. Yeah. Because we, well, we use, I think, something that we do along trying to deal with, I mean, we do this regardless. Humans hate ambiguity. Our brain doesn't manage it well. We yeah. will do a lot of things to avoid ambiguity altogether or to, well, we will, our brain is built to fill in gaps, right? Like if we're looking out, we're looking out and say you're looking at a forest and all of a sudden you see a flash of orange or you see a flash of stripes. Our brain will immediately fill in the gaps to show you that that's a tiger. Whether it's a tiger or not, the brain is built to detect threat. So the 24-hour news cycle essentially just is going to hit that button of threat and go into your amygdala and essentially say, yo, yo, there's a fucking cheetah around all the time. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. I mean, it, it really, it, it does. And I, I, you said something great on one of your shows the other day where it was like you need to complete out that cycle and yes. that's where exercise comes in is so mm-hmm. that you can complete out that cycle or masturbation comes in so that you can in those complete out that cycle and get that. We need a, yeah. We don't have too many powerful things in our in our repertoire as humans. Masturbation is actually it can actually be incredibly powerful for us as far as an access tool to the brain chemistry that we need to activate to be able to deal with some stress. That's I, I mean ultimately that's why children. This is not about sex and children. Children start manipulating their genitals very early in their development because of stress management, not because of sex, not because of sexual things, not because of not making children sexual, it is that that's where our nerve endings concentrate. We're talking about physiology here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where our nerve endings concentrate. So I mean, why do we why do we manipulate them? <laughs> it does. It feels really good. We have this wonderful, you know, for for to put it in today's term, we have this wonderful hack to be able to give our brain some chemicals it's looking to have. And we can access similar ones by exercise. If you if you exercise, you can really you really can improve your brain's ability to manage emotion. We actually have quite a quite a bit of research right now of 
people using exercise as frontline treatment for schizophrenia, for bipolar disorder that's really severe because of the way that we can actually manipulate the brain chemistry by using things like exercise. Why would we ignore it and make it something shameful? No, for sure. So now how are people supposed to find dates during the uh, the pandemic? I mean, I've been trying Tinder. It's terrible. Ter- <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me tell me what's happening on Tinder because I am not oh, on Tinder. Tinder's so. like there all of them are terrible because I think it's the first time in history that we are able to globally concentrate sexual resources. So what was happening on a little local and regional scale is now happening on the global scale. So you mm-hmm. have probably you know, the top one to 5% of guys get every single one of the likes and every mm. single one of the matches. And mm. then that filters down through the system, but it goes all the way up to the top. So to keep the other nine out of 10 guys happy, they use bots to match them. They use I, I can't. fake accounts to match them. And then like Bumble is absolutely notorious for them. I like to call them hey bots because on Bumble, women have to speak first. They have to start the conversation. And what happens is you'll match with someone and they will say, hey, and you will write back and you will hear absolutely nothing after that. And really for the amount of work that you've already put into having a match, if it's a real person on the other side, they're going to at least give you a second sentence or a third sentence. Right. That's just absolutely that you're blowing my mind right now because then that's telling me that some of these dating apps have essentially hacked the the reward center of our brain, right? Like oh, essentially yeah. like how social media is using it. Yep. To keep guys on and to keep guys on and paying for the app. Mm. Once you pay for Tinder, you see who's already liked you. Mm. And you can determine, okay, that's probably not a real account. That's not a real one. Oh, that's probably a real person, or that's probably a real person. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a real person. Um, I mean, I'm all for, I think Tinder needs a lot more uh, mm-hmm. filters and controls because you're on a site for something that you are sexually attracted to. So you should have a little yes. bit more so that people are not matching with people that they're not interested in. It just, there's, right. there's no point. It's a waste of time, especially once you get to the point where you're paying for one of the sites, which don't, don't pay for any of them. Don't do no. it. Don't do it. I did it as an experiment to find out, you know, are there anyone real on these sites? I don't think there are. And it's like, I was trying to explain <laughs> this to my mom. I was trying to explain this to my mom. And I was like, okay, let's say, you know, in, when I was in high school, you could, kind of meet the people at the high schools around you. So your dating mm-hmm. pool was like maybe the other high school in town and then the maybe one of the parochial schools, like say there was a Catholic school or something. Your mm-hmm. dating pool was kind of around them and who knew who and that sort of thing. But the minute you enter MySpace into the picture or Facebook into the picture, all of a sudden, depending on how the privacy settings were, your dating pool went to the five towns around you. Mm-hmm. Or the 10 towns around you. And then the minute you add... Facebook into the national perspective, all of a sudden now Tinder, you're going like 100 miles, you're 300 miles. I have, for some reason, Tinder, I think is totally hacked right now. I keep getting accounts that try to match me that are from like 5,000 miles away. 
like you're not a real person. You're probably a bot. And this is of apps aren't I'm putting this. Say, then what the heck do we do? I know. I, I'm putting this. I'm putting this up, Teresa. Like of if apps are the, what the heck do we do? Fitness. I'm putting this coming up. Join a fitness For, club. Yes. Group fitness, fitness club. So I I actually think that there are a lot of people who are moving to like in person organizations group co- yeah. any anything that they can actually meet people in person so i will i belong to a uh, a sports and social club and it is uh, team doogie shout out joel love you man he created this thing essentially like different leagues for different kinds of sports but it's not super super competitive it's about like getting discounts at that bar playing beach volleyball together having a good time and there are definitely relationships that have come out of team duty for sure and it you're already meeting based on something that you have a shared hobby around more than likely you might share other things i mean before the advent of like any kind of like online dating and it's not to say that all online dating is bad there are some people who do have some success with it but before that, we had a lot of data to show that, that said that you would end up with more than likely somebody that was within a quarter mile radius of where you were at any given time. So during the day, you're more than likely going to spend, before corona, your time in certain areas of your community. And you are much more likely to meet somebody at work at somebody at the gym, somebody at the, the clubs that you go to, somebody at the, the photography club you go to, you were just much more likely to meet someone that way. Yeah, and I, I think that hopefully, as people become more aware of how bad the apps are and how you're just, even if you're just trying to hook up, you're just not going to meet that person. Mm-hmm. In-person meeting groups, I'm hoping they get so much better. I have tried so much in New York. Mm-hmm. Meetups have just been, you're just not going to find anyone on the meetups. I have mm-hmm. had a lot of success with group fitness classes. Yes. If you're a guy, I cannot... I cannot preach enough about find a budget spin studio like Psych. Yeah. Because you will be surrounded, absolutely surrounded with women between the ages of about 25 to 35. Yes. Yes. Zumba, uh, kickboxing, any of it, any of it that you want to go to a group, a group fitness class. There are tons of those of us who identify as women there. We tend to find solace in those places because there's oftentimes in gyms, and you know, I'm making a generalization here. I do lift, and I have lifted for a long time. But the minute that there is a there is somebody who looks like they're male identified, I am a, a little wary because they typically kind of muscle their way into trying to use the equipment and don't think I'm taking it seriously. So the group fitness classes are kind of a solace. I don't have to deal with a lot of <laughs> of that when I'm in a group fitness class. So find somewhere where the people that you are more than likely going to have shared interests show up. If you're interested in being outdoors, join a hiking club. If you're interested in running long distances, join a long distance running club. And yoga's really, and we're just getting one from Teresa. Teresa Yes. Like, but what if we are straight women? Where do we go? Where does the straight women go? (laughs) Where do we go? Um, I mean, 
yoga is a lot more of a kind of straight down the middle. And you're going to find a very different type of guy who does yoga versus doing the other things, even doing spin. Like I did spin and in a class of 50 women, I would generally be the only guy and let alone the only guy who was keeping up because Mm -hmm. it is a very different sport and it is a sport. It is very high intensity. You you folks that, you cheers to you folks that do the spin out there. I I don't do it anymore either because it just got to be too much. I was doing two a day, four days a week. (laughs) It hurts my butt. Oh, you get over that. That's that that takes. Like- I never did. I never did. I did a. I did a. At least at the Y, where when I lived in Washington State, they had this class that was called twenty twenty twenty. So it's twenty minutes of spin, twenty minutes of uh, like a body combat, and then twenty minutes of yoga. And uh, it was a great fun, except for the twenty minutes of spin. And I did that for like four months, and even by probably month three, I started to have less pain. You know what they say if you're getting that pain. <laughs> I don't. Gotta work on those pelvic floor exercises. Yes, you're more than well, you're more than likely right. And um, I have a big backyard, so I have to have the bigger yeah. seat in the back end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean yoga's. I mean, where would if I was a woman, where would I go look for me? Um, hmm. I, I mean, I'm in yoga usually five, six, seven days a week. Fine, uh, Brandon, like, in yoga. Please, I've been single for like 10 years. I'm <laughs> who can put up with my ridiculous friends and put Teresa up with Teresa, move to New York and go to yoga. Oh. <laughs> Let's Teresa on the book. Hey, Teresa. <laughs> yeah, you know. Smiling. One of my one go. of my wonderful close friends. So um, oh. I can endorse. I can endorse. I can endorse. Stay away, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can endorse. Like she's hot shit. Just saying. But that's that's the other thing is that it gets down to what they've been doing in Los Angeles for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People were introducing their friends to other people. We are yes. really being reduced to people introducing people to other people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's. Speaking from the guy's perspective, that's the beauty of doing the group fitness and making friends there because women in their 30s who have relationships are wanting to make sure everyone has relationships. So they start (laughs) setting you up with people. um, Matchmaker. It's so much fun though, Brandon. It's it's fun until you realize that they might not like you that much because the person, the people they keep setting up with are all like former employees from the last business they were Damn at. it. Like, why, why are you setting me up with these people? <laughs> Need to bring you, bring you down Morgan. to Florida. I mean, I, and you know, I think that also you're getting into like dating markets and such. And I think yes. that New York, after you're like 27, 28, I noticed the dating market just, mm, goodbye. Whew. It just totally tanks out at about 27, 28. It really, yeah. And it's it's changed. There's a lot that's changed in dating from mm-hmm. 2004 when I moved here to 2020. In 16 years, a lot has changed about dating. My clients that are single in Seattle, they talk a lot about... There, I mean, you have the Seattle freeze. I love you, Washingtonians, but the Seattle freeze is real. I'm, I was born and raised in California and moved to Washington State. The Seattle freeze is is real. 
people have a hard time making friends in Seattle and let, let alone dating authentically and vulnerably in Seattle. And my clients complain about this a lot, especially my clients that are from other areas of the country. More particular, uh, my, my clients that are from like the Midwest and then move to the Northwest. Huh. I mean, is it like a New York non-relationship? It takes a really, really long time to build a relationship. And then once you do build a relationship, there is often people who cancel on you at, at the last minute frequently. So they'll agree to come. They'll like, say you're going to have a, a, a little like cocktail hour at your house. They'll agree to come. And then at the last minute, they'll cancel or they won't show up at all. I'd never encountered anything like that. I love you, my Washington people. But we man. Have a phrase for that in New York. We have a phrase. It's called by Felicia. I don't know. I, 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 I never understood it. I have absolutely. We move so fast here in this city that yeah. would just. And the problem is because everything is so interconnected and interrelated. Oh, yeah, that would start affecting your actual business because you would oh. get a reputation for being an absolute flake. And that just does not fly in New York whatsoever. Interesting. Interesting. Oh. Yeah, that is, it is a different world. I don't want to necessarily lump the entire Northwest in there because like where we lived in Spokane, which is on the east side, closer to Idaho. So you had it, it, it was a different kind of living area, but a little bit easier to make friends, a little bit easier to, to meet people, but still like not as easy as when I, when I was growing up in California and definitely not as easy as what I've experienced in Florida. People in Florida are ready to party. They are ready to have a good time. They are here for the sun. They're here for the beaches. They're ready to have a beverage with you. Like everybody gets invited to a party. You stand around long enough. Everybody gets invited. Like it's just, it's, just kind of the culture down here. Well, what about what about New York? Like when everybody's standing around in in yoga class, does everybody get invited to the party? It takes a little bit to get into the group. Like when I started doing spin, I recognized I was basically the only guy in the environment, and so I chilled out for a couple of weeks until I started making the friends and I could actually be the extroverted Brandon. Mm -hmm. And I just started at a new yoga studio about two weeks before the lovely pandemic. <laughs> oh, I Fuck. was just starting to be able to get the personality out there and figure okay. out kind of, and I like working out so early in the morning, like six, 7 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m. And yeah, you're earlier than me. I like, or I like working out in the morning, but yes, earlier than yeah. me. <laughs> and those are really generally pretty terrible times unless you're meeting people who are very serious about working out. Uh, and then they want nothing to do with you. They want their fitness time and that's they it. Want their fitness time, yeah. And it's it's their personal time and yoga is very much the meditation. Mm -hmm. So I I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of at that point where it's like it's New York and it just you keep going with it and I probably will end up reevaluating. I mean, gosh, all of us are going to be reevaluating stuff. In Fuck. <laughs> and I, I kind of will put this out there. Like, it's okay, y'all. You can reevaluate. Re <laughs> Once we get to the end of this, it's okay. Reevaluate. Figure out where you want to live. Yeah. I mean, if, if COVID's nothing, it should be, I hope, a motivation for people to kind of shift and look at their lives in a different way. 
Oh, it, it will be. And there will be the positives of people saying, why the heck am I slaving away like this and not doing what I want to do? Mm-hmm. But there will be a lot of people who get forced into their decisions. And yes. It's not going to be, there are, there will be a lot of mental health issues with the people in the finance industry. We mm-hmm. are not going to recover soon and fast. Yep. I'm not going to say where my ballpark estimates are on the numbers of where we're going, but it is not pretty. And it is stuff that they're managing fear and panic right now. And there are a lot of people who are going to get in trouble for doing things early on. Thank you, all of our congressmen and senators for selling. (sighs) I have so many things. So many things. Oh, so so many things to that. But there are going to be a lot of people who get forced into changes they're not ready for. There will be a spike in suicides in the finance Mm -hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is there's going to be a spike there's going to be a spike in mental health problems regardless across oh, yeah. the board emergencies across mental board. mental health emergencies yes um and i'm part of some groups right now where they um meet regularly online because they can't meet in person anymore and mm-hmm. everyone is at risk isolation and fear are the two biggest things that really create terrible situations for people Yes. The isolation and fear. And I would add to that list ambiguity because of how we've evolved, because of how our brain operates. That threat system is the most powerful system inside of us because of its purpose. Its purpose is to keep us alive. So the time of day that you start feeling, I'm going to pull it up actually on my screen, uh, a colleague posted this today and I just thought it was so it was so just such a wonderful image uh, of what what we're all experiencing and I wanted to add to it I wanted to add this, this feeling of numbness this just absolutely fundamental feeling of numbness. Shout out to Ernesto Sigamundo, um, just a wonderful soul. But he, I'm actually going to see if I can share my, I'm going to click on this image, share my screen. My neighbor's here. watching right now. She uh, saw my pink light was on. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's like, is, what, what, is that the new lighting you were talking about? I love her. <laughs> it's like, yes, hi, Morgan. <laughs> hi, Morgan. Um, <laughs> I was going to just show this. Like, I think this is a wonderful kind of graphic and I'm going to tag Ernesto in this, in this live, because I think it's so important that we kind of understand that it's okay to be like understanding that these are the kind of areas and you can go through these throughout in a day, right? Like who do I want to be during COVID-19? We were all talking about in this thread and you can kind of see it in the comments, like that where we vacillate throughout the day. And I would say in the mornings, like before my workout, I'm in the fear zone. My brains are kind of going, I need to like, I need to understand all of this fear that I'm having. And then after my workout, because this is, I really fundamentally think for me, my workout impacts my ability to move to the learning zone. And I really wanted to add to this graphic, the numb zone, because there is this point in the day where I just feel myself a a fundamental numbness. What well, what about you, Brandon? Like what, like you're kind of looking at this graphic, like wh- where would you put yourself and like, how would you say it kind of changes throughout the day? It's, I, I do not 
reside in the fear zone. Mm, that is ever? that is no ever not, question mark not on this no not on this it's because so early on i accepted what this was going to be yes and yes accepted that i had absolutely no control over it okay that acceptance i think we should slow down right there yeah that acceptance like tell me about that like what was that like for you it's the realization that it's not a controllable instance. And if there were controllable elements and I identified what those controllable elements are, you know, um, specifically, okay, if this goes really South, uh, Mm -hmm. what do I need? What are my needs? Well, Mm -hmm. I need shelter. I need food. I need water. These are things that I need. So how can I control those? And sometime in the beginning of February, I went to the store and mm-hmm. I got as many non-perishables as I needed and, yeah. and cans of vegetables and things so that I was like, okay, I could visualize that this is a f- about a four-week to six-week supply Yeah. so that I, okay, I don't need to be fearful now. Yes. Um, that's, I don't need to be fearful because I've done what I can control in this mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Everything outside of this is mm-hmm. just, it's noise. For me, it's also, it's entertainment. I work in the film industry, so right. I feel like I'm waking up and just kind of watching a movie every day. Some of it's a bad movie. Some of it's kind of a good movie. But hey, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're doing something interesting there. Like, and I bring this, I bring this up. I can't help it because I'm a therapist. Like yeah. what you're doing is kind of like, it's like a psychological distancing. And that's not a word that's from COVID. Uh, psychological distancing is essentially like this this idea that we're putting some distance between us and whatever we're afraid of or whatever we're trying to accomplish so that we can look at it from a different perspective almost like we were telling a friend about it and then the friend was giving advice so what you're saying is is like you've you've kind of put that distance in there that has uh, that essentially psychologically protected you yeah and i've I've done it for a long time, many, many, many years ago yeah. when I was in second grade, I had trouble sleeping at night mm. and I would lie awake and I had trouble sleeping and I was like, well, what should I do? And I had the creative mind already. And so I started daydreaming mm. and using those daydreams, I all of a sudden found out that I was falling asleep. Morgan's got your back. He's not. I love Morgan. Back. Morgan's actually my uh, friend from Spin who started setting me up with coworkers. Morgan, good job. <laughs> good job. Good job, Morgan. And maybe she'll set me up with some new ones after this starts. Anyways, uh, <laughs> after this is all over and we can all see each other again. Um, but yeah, I started daydreaming and it's something I still do as an adult at night. I still yeah. daydream. And those daydreams are not necessarily fun scenarios. Right. You know, during 9-11, I started running daydreams of, okay, I'm on an airplane and this is what's happening. Yes. What would I do? Mm-hmm. And how would that play out? And you know, how are these different scenarios? And, you know, even with this, I played out different scenarios in my head. And, you know, you then go to sleep and you wake up in the morning and a lot of these things have kind of percolated into your brain. 
And you are, you are talking about something that sports psychologists, performance psychologists have been talking about forever that essentially in your brain, your brain doesn't know the difference between practicing a thing in your head and doing a thing. So your your brain doesn't know the difference between thinking a thing and doing a thing. So if it doesn't know the difference, if you were to practice a scenario in your head, you're actually more familiar with it than you would have been otherwise. So like when they have like a ski jumper go out for the Olympics, they'll actually have them run in their head through the perfect run. When I was working in the prison setting, they had us play the what if game, which is exactly what you're saying. What if A, B, and C happen? What will you do? How you will respond? Over and over and Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And how are those different responses? You know, what happens if this gets grabbed or that gets grabbed? You know, what does panic look like? Where does that go? You know, I'm I am forever kind of playing some of these scenarios out. Now, you don't need to be scared of these things. Uh, if, you know, it's kind of like you get on an airplane. It's like, well, I don't have control over the airplane now. And if the airplane falls out of the sky, there's not really a whole heck of a lot of things I can do. And you right? can decide to be scared about that. Or you can decide to say, you know, we'll get to the destination. If we don't, we don't. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know. That's, or play the scenario of what you're going to do to try to survive. Oh, yeah. I mean, what what would you do? There's so many things in life like that. But yeah, I mean, it's... So I, I don't feel like with this, I've lived in the fear zone. I've lived in the frustration zone. For sure. I've lived in the frustration zone a lot. And my mother got all of those phone calls with me yep. back at the middle of January to end of January saying, I'm so frustrated. People do not see this. People do not see this coming. Mm-hmm. and the information is there if you know where to look for it. And when you're putting all of these different pieces of information, what happened was I got kind of involved in watching the Hong Kong protests. Oh, okay. And I found this channel on YouTube, uh, Black, Black Head Down, something like that. And I started watching these videos, and all of a sudden they started playing videos mm-hmm. that were leaking out of Wuhan. Mm. And one of them was the doctor who was screaming at the head of the hospital about needing more supplies and people are dying and he's mm. crying. And oh, yes, I of, have it. BH, I see it. BHD. Yeah, BHD. And mm-hmm. I'm, I watched those videos as they were coming out and I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is not going to stop. And then, you know, I live in New York. So... Right. I'm the amount of people that go between each of these locations on a daily basis is humongous. Enormous. It's enormous. It's absolutely and utterly enormous. And so much is manufactured in Wuhan. And if people even had an inkling of the things that were manufactured in Wuhan, Mm -hmm. the mass panic that would be going on right now is just absolutely obscene. It really is. So I was watching these videos and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to come here. And then I started piecing together. uh, You had the cruise ships and then you also had a couple of news articles that came out about the Washington Post or Wall Street Journal put out an article that said there was about 4,000 people being Mm -hmm. self-isolated in California. And I was like, why are we not talking about New York. There must be just the same amount who are self-isolating here. They're not talking about those. Mm-hmm. The, 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 or the cruise ships that were coming into Florida. Cruise ships, which are not, they're, they're 
out to sea. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and and the information that was there, if you ha- could piece it all together, like, is it aerosol? Well, you had a couple who were in, uh, I want to say it was Beijing, or mm-hmm. who the couple on the first floor's bathroom was improperly vented into the seventh floor apartment. Interesting. And the seventh floor couple got it. Wow. And so it's so aerosolized that it's going through the vents seven floors mm-hmm. and it's able to Well, if you alive. think about like, especially like if we primarily send this to one another via any kind of bodily fluid, whether it be spit or what have you, you get in the shower. Yeah. That air is steam. Yeah. <laughs> and you are essentially like steaming all of the, the, the things off of your body. Yep. And and like this is the, and we don't say all these things to you know panic people. We say these things to help people understand that like this is this is bigger and it was bigger back in January and earlier. Yeah, it's than we were made aware. I mean, think about it. You walk down the street, and I'm in. Okay, say it again. I'm in New York, so I walk down the street, and what do I smell? Well, you've now taken that in. That's mm-hmm. aerosol. Yes. So when you walk down the streets and you smell the urine, mm-hmm. you've taken that in. So if it's aerosolized and it's it's actually radiating from that, you now have it. Yes. So they finally acknowledge that it's radiating out of feces. Yes. They finally acknowledge. Now, this is information that has been readily available. It's been out for at least 30 days. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. it radiates seven feet off feces, which in New York, just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, any 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 yeah. city, any large city. And yeah. the folks who live rurally could have told you this too, at least in the way of like, if you have any kind of livestock, you understand oh, yeah. what it means to have massive amounts of feces around you and and what has to happen with it and how you can be impacted as a human being by it. Yeah, you're taking that in. That is coming in. So, you know, do these masks, are they going to help? Not really, but it's so asymptomatic in like 50% of cases yeah. where at least the people who are asymptomatic aren't going to spread it to the rest of us. Yes. I'm not at home in Minnesota right now with my family because I pretty much assumed that I've been exposed at least yes. at some point within January mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. I assumed I had. Yes. You know, and it's and when once you accept that, it, it comes to an acceptance. Yeah. I can't control it. I accept it. I don't need to be fearful of it. Let's put myself in a good situation so my immune system can handle whatever I need to handle. Yes. Stop vaping, stop smoking. It's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Especially those and my fellow folks who are using marijuana. Like here in Florida, it's medically legal. Legal in Washington State, it is fully recreationally legal, and and it has been deemed to be an essential an essential option, especially for those who are managing pain, who are managing chronic conditions. And it is, and we have to realize like the things that we put into our body can make us more at risk. That includes prescription medication. Yeah. I mean, switch from your vape over to some nice edibles. Everyone loves a brownie. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. Takes a little longer, but yes. Or maybe even a little tincture, something if you get an if you get an opportunity to try to switch, do it during this time. Yeah. And 
doing everything in your power to care for yourself. So what does it mean for you to start to walk outside? If you've never, if you've never, ever exercised, I don't want you going to, to, to Brandon's level of yoga. (laughs) I I turned one of my friends on to yoga uh, and he found a YouTube channel called Hmm. Broga. Broga? It's a guy guy who does kind of male centric yoga. And one of his episodes apparently is all about helping middle-aged men with their uh, erections. Oh, yes. Oh, I need to find this human being. So he apparently has some good like pelvic floor and now okay this is a thing as a guy we do not understand pelvic floor i recently knew someone who was pregnant and was a spin teacher and destroyed her pelvic floor of course with pregnancy and had to bring it back so guys pelvic floor is like it's this big we call it a taint (laughs) this is this is the male pelvic floor this is it and this is the woman's pelvic floor it's the whole floor it's everything yes it's the foundation It's, I think it is this, the Broga, B-R-O-G-A, yoga, Broga, yoga. There are videos on here. Y'all jump on that YouTube channel right now. Uh, There, it looks like there's tons of opportunities for um, yoga benefits for runners. Yoga changes lives, eases lower back pain. Like jump on there to the Google. Yes, Teresa, to the Google. But as far as like, if we talk pelvic floor, it matters for all of us. And for those of you who have prostates in the world, pelvic floor muscles matter a shit ton. Your ability to, to hold your urine matter a shit ton. It works a lot if you've got urinary issues, if you want to be able to pleasure yourself and maybe even your partner and being able to squeeze those muscles. Yoga is a wonderful place to be able to work on your pelvic floor muscles. It increases the blood flow to certain tender bits that also increase moisture and everything else. Mm. Good cardiovascular health equals good sex, y'all. Oh, yes. It is. I I love it. I mean, I've been doing it probably for about eight years on and off. I started with Bikram. I've gone through kind of a lighter vinyasa flow. I'm doing power yoga now. It's a Baptiste flow. Uh, Mm. And there's an app that I'm using called YogaShare. It's called YogaShare. And it's you're able to actually sequence your own sequence on it. So really, like two thousand different postures, and you can go through and sequence your own sequence. And I've got a sequence I'm doing that's uh, Baptiste inspired, but I've also added some other other postures that I really like into it. Yoga so share. Yeah, I like yoga share. It's I I think it's definitely a good one, especially if someone is a teacher. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not going to lay it out. It's pretty easy to put together a simple series. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of studios now, like my studio, Lion's Den in New York, is doing online classes at 5 o'clock Eastern time, which is about 2 o'clock uh, Pacific time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're online. Uh, you go through MindBody online. MindBody is what most fitness studios use in New York. Uh, and they're really good. Uh, and she she regularly uh, Bethany Lyons regularly does contributions for like uh, women's magazines and L and good ha- you know people that kind of stuff. She's Wonderful. well regarded in the New York yoga community. So I, I love it. I think that's uh, anytime we can find the and these mobile ways to be able to improve our sexual health, and it is a system just like every other system of our body, and. 
what we can do to improve each system of our body can improve our sexual health more than anything, your cardiovascular system. So get on it, y'all. Get on it. Yes. You know, COVID is a lung disease. <laughs> we well, are talking, I mean, that disease, virus. Well, <laughs> so that then gets back into the readily available information. Mm-hmm. It starts lung and something they noticed in Wuhan was that 14% of cases became reinfected. And then Interesting. what they were using at that time, it switched over to a cardiac. The Interesting. people who got either reinfected or it became reactivated, they never did address whether it was biphasic or not. Uh, they mm. then had heart attacks. Fascinating. Yeah, and there were a number of things said about that. There was a question whether it was the drugs that they were using when it was, you know, uh, pulmonary is lung. Mm. Yeah. When it was, when it was lung, uh, when it was the pneumonia, they were using certain drugs that then they weren't sure if those then turned it into a cardiac deal when it came back. Interesting. And now we do know that there were two strains going through the L and the S strain in Wuhan. Uh, and there are Iceland found eight strains now. So that there were eight individual identifiable strains in Iceland. Mm. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying this is that this virus's ability to mutate is pretty powerful. So there was, well, I, I guess all viruses mutate pretty regularly. Uh, there was an article recently where they said it doesn't mutate that fast, but I was like, wait a minute, if you, <laughs> you have to read between the lines. Sometimes they're saying things to manage the panic. Mm-hmm. They just Fair. are. And it frustrates the heck out of me because I'm like, just just give it to me raw so that I can... Yes. Just tell me so I can unpack it. <laughs> so I can unpack it, figure out what I'm going to do, figure out what I can control about the moment, and then what I can't. Yes. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, come on. Like, I'm in Manhattan, so we're completely separated from what's going on in Brooklyn and Queens. And according to like a post article I read yesterday, they're doing triage in the streets in Brooklyn and Queens because the hospitals are completely full. Mm. So we're not seeing that in Manhattan. Now, I do have a field hospital down the street. Mm -hmm. That's something to see when you go into Central Park and it looks like mash. That's got it. That's just got to be so disorienting. Yeah, but it's New York, so you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Is that triage or are they doing a street carnival? <laughs> Is there a performance? <laughs> Is someone uh, reenacting something? Yeah, I mean, it's... You, you never, never know. This, this whole thing could be just one big movie shoot. Uh, for Sometimes sake. I wonder if I'm living in the Truman Show or not, you know? I mean, was Jim, was Jim Carrey right the whole time? We have the technology now. <laughs> I was about three or four years ago, I was out one night and it just kind of occurred to me and I looked at the guy next to me and I said, you realize that a child could be born mm-hmm. today and they could actually live the Truman Show. Hmm. We have the technology to actually do that to someone. I mean, fair. I mean, almost if you think about it, like... This is our, we're getting to the end of the show and the drink yeah. is gone. So, uh oh, oh, 
<laughs> but uh, but if you think about it, like we kind of uh, operate in our own little uh, Truman shows. If you if you only choose to interact with certain people in certain circles, or if you've kind of managed your social media to look a very specific way, which some of these algorithms have made sure that that is the case, like the the that's not far off from what you're saying. I'm with Teresa. It does feel like an episode of Black Mirror, and it's <laughs> all done fundamentally. Let me say the episode of Black Mirror where everyone was doing like the like button and people could lose their social credit. I was like, it was so terrifying. This is happening right in front of my eyes. And it could. You've heard the uh, you've heard the new NIH app that's being released in the UK, right? No, I have not. I have been avoiding. They're releasing an app in the UK, and you will, when you sign on to it, you will wave your privacy privileges to your medical records so they'll have access and in return the app warns you if you get close to someone who has coronavirus i don't know that that trade-off is enough yeah teresa's like so creepy i know yep yeah digital leper bell but that trade-off you know what is what's the trade-off and they're expecting to get 50 percent of the population to download it (laughs) <laughs> there are a lot of people i'm i'm in a union <laughs> there are a lot of people willing to vote and do the party line and not think through the consequences of their vote there are mm-hmm. a lot of people and yes you can take that national and we're not going to talk about that because that's not the show yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> and that's going to make everyone angry um, uh-huh. but you know i mean that's in in the individual cases i used to call them background actors there are a lot of people who go through life like background actors mm-hmm. that's they just they or uh in the role playing community they're called npcs there are oh, yes. a lot of npcs and i you can't change them yeah oh, i'm just putting this up because this is amazing like, nope, nobody, nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> yeah no <Nope. Nope. laughs> <laughs> you know, but then what happens when it goes the other direction? Because all these apps, they talk to each other. What happens when you don't have that app and you can't get the reservation at the restaurant? Right. Like that. Or then we start all using the Google Glass and then you can see yep. everybody's like numbers are over their heads. And I just can't. Yeah. The can't. Google Glass, you're <laughs> not going to see because apparently they had issues with people getting headaches off of it. Oh, I imagine so. Um, but I mean, even some video games today, it's kind of tough to not get motion sickness from. But we're like, going to definitely have like what they have on Altered Carbon, the Oni. Oh, we're yes. going to have like a contact lens. And that patent came through like eight years ago or so with Google. And there is the ability to do like a contact lens where you'll get augmented reality. I, I'm this is totally pulling on my 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 prepper roots growing up in Trinity County. Shout out to my Trinity County folk in Trinity County, California. Shout out to Humboldt County. I really want to go to 10 year, 10 acres and disconnect from the entire world now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've thought about it because what we're looking at 13, 14, 1500 NYPD officers now are positive for coronavirus. So who is going to be in charge when we go on full lockdown and we're not allowed out? People do not understand the massive infrastructure stop that has to happen for that to occur, like to stop the trains. 
Look at the doctor in Westchester. He commuted for a week, two weeks. He touched a Metro North train for two weeks. He walked in through Grand Central for two weeks. He must have been symptomatic at some point. So people who were in Grand Central, who were on that train after him, all got it because they don't clean these things. No. It's New York. Nothing's clean. No. (laughs) It's all dirty. I've been on the subways in New York. I've been to Manhattan. Oh, I've been there. I've been there. Like I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Like yeah. the pictures when you sent me those pictures earlier today, I was just like, it was stunning. It was stunning to see those streets without any any human being in it. I've seen those streets like that before. And then we're talking about Chinatown, Canal Street in Chinatown. I've seen those streets like that before at literally 5 a.m. Yeah. That's it. I've seen them like that at 5 a.m. And even then, there was more traffic than there is there. I mean, it's it's absolutely, it's empty. I haven't been in Times Square in a while. Um, tomorrow, I'm going to do some what we call second unit, uh, some B-roll shots around town video footage. And it's going to be wild. It's just going to be absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. When you've got that footage, share it with me and yeah. I'll make sure we share it with the audience because I think it's important for people to see what's happening in the in yeah. the places that they don't live in the world. They need to see it. They need to be able to see like what does this actually look like while it's happening? What does it look like? Oh, it's we need to make I it mean, real for people. Yeah, and it and thankfully we do live in a time where there are a lot of resources for it to become real. There are. I mean, I really wish I could put up a drone right now, but the kind of tape you have to get through to get a drone up on Manhattan is... I, I My brother the other day said, well, yeah, you should put your drone up. And I was like, okay, FAA restricted airspace. <laughs> Interfering with an emergency operation. I think the whole island is an emergency operation at this point. So that's a felony, I'm pretty sure. And oh, yeah, back to the FAA restricted airspace. It's because the president has a residence here. I don't want a visit from the Secret Service. Are you out of your mind? No. Thank you. <laughs> no. Back to Trey's comment. Nobody, nope, nope, no. Camera, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. So how do these people find you in the world? We could be here all night, you and I. Oh, yeah, we probably, we'll we'll have to turn this into a regular while the the COVID is going on. Um, The COVID-itis. I, uh, well, you know, Brandon Ruckdashel, I commented right up at the top of this and said, hey, you know, so people can just, I mean, connect with me there. I've usually run it kind of as a private page, but. I'm just kind of adding everyone at this point. I do do a morning show at like nine on the weekdays, 10 in the week mornings. Tomorrow morning, not going to do it because I'm going to go around and do some footage and stuff, kind of take a day off. Uh, But otherwise do that. And I also run a film festival. We do do our screenings on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. And we show a bunch of short films, sometimes erotic, sometimes fun, and all sorts of different subjects. We usually do about two hours worth of film. Yes. Yeah. I'm really, really excited about that because I, I cannot wait because this is this was a this was a creation before and now is being brought back, correct? Yeah, the festival has been ongoing. We do it. Uh, we've we've done it every week at Anthology Film Archives for about 20 years, just a little over 20 years, and we show about 700 films a year. And back to Brandon in his crazy mind back in January, seeing this coming, I said, "Okay, well, we need a contingency plan because we need to keep this going." So we've already been doing live streaming and stuff with other 
uh, with other productions. I work periodically as a consultant for productions that are trying to do live streaming, which is why my setup is kind of fun. I have a fun setup here. <laughs> and uh, He's a little bit of a gearhead. I'm, I'm a gearhead. I kind of am. I'm also a gearhead for doing it like inexpensive. Yes. So yes. I are. can. That's that's. I did a uh, production a couple of years ago for Fruit Ninja, the game, and we threw fruit at actors, and we did this budget live stream on Facebook. Awesome. It was loads of fun. Nothing like throwing fruit at actors. <laughs> fun. Throwing fruit at anybody. Who wants so. both of us? <laughs> yes. Uh, regular happy hour with the two of you, please and thank you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll we'll figure it out maybe Fridays or something. I don't know. What's your usual Friday like? I love it, right? I I feel like this. I this is my second time of doing cocktails with a sex therapist, so I feel like having having a guest or two is going to be wonderfully and makes it wonderfully more interesting and much more fun. Yeah, and doing the side by side, and I I'm I'll have to check the footage later and see what it's like. I've never used this service. Streamyard. Streamyard. Shout out yeah. to shout out. Oh, God damn! I need sure, to shout out. <laughs> You had one gin cocktail and you're saying shart out. It's all it took. It's all it took. I am a cheap date, have always been. Teresa can attest. Are you sure that was not mostly gin and just a spritz, spritz, spritz of cocktail? Little eyedropper. So I appreciate you so very much. Thank you for for joining me. And y'all, Brandon will be back. Uh, back. Whether whether it's next week or soon, whenever Brandon wants to come, Brandon is always welcome. So oh, oh whenever I want to come. All right, we're on that part of the show now. Down to the nightcap. That's right. Everybody's ready for the after dark. All right, folks. You have a wonderful week. Thank you for sticking around to the end, and we will see y'all next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the Gram, and Twitter. See you all next time.